Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. In this episode, we once again have on friends of the show, Remy, and for the first time, his wife, Ashley. Together, they own and operate Kumunkaya, a healing and retreat center just outside of Tulum in Mexico. We not only go over what they are offering at their center, but also a story on how they began their path and how they ended up selling everything they had and left the comforts of their lives to follow the call of the medicine and all the beautiful twists and turns that followed as they embraced their path. We also discuss some of their personal and professional work with sacred plant medicines as a search for self-discovery and connection, giving oneself space, overcoming what they refer to as sacred terror, pushing the boundaries of rationality to gain a different life perspective, and experiencing self-love as an act of self-service. Their website is located in the description of this podcast at kumankaya.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Gin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism. <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail your spirit has been longing for. <sighs> now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra, Spirituality with a Twist. Uh, you have Daniel running the ship today. So if uh, you're used to Eric driving, uh, I don't know, we call it the mothership or maybe it's a boat. I don't I don't know, a flying city, perhaps. Um, it will be piloted by yours truly. And I have zero navigation and I don't know how to use the controls. Uh, so hopefully we won't crash and burn. But I feel very confident in our co-pilots that we have with us today. Um, Remy has been on with us before and we are finally joined long overdue uh, by his lovely wife, Ashley. And we're going to be discussing um, their work with the medicine, their center Kumankaya down just outside of Tulum and a whole bunch of other things that, you know, are, are related to the medicine work. So uh, I wanted to say thank you guys for coming on. If you would say hello to our audience. Thank you for having us and uh, hello to everybody. Yeah. Hello from Mexico. There we go. <laughs> Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. No, thanks for coming on. And, and truth be told, we've been trying to do this with you guys for a little bit now. The last few weeks, we've been kind of playing cat and mouse. So, uh, it's uh, you know, it's good to it's good to have it on. And and as you know, most of our audiences have heard, and and probably some people who you guys know who've listened to us as well. Remy's been on a couple times, and so you know, we've been over our history uh, a little bit. We have a good, you know, really very good relationship us and um, and with my partner Bridget. You know, so we do wonderful work together. So I'm very happy to have you guys on and, and, and yeah, you know, so there's that. Also, just briefly before we, before we begin, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's tuning in today, whether today is the first time that you've listened to us or, you know, you got referred to us by somewhere or you've been listening for a long time. We do appreciate all the people who tune in and who send us feedback. Uh, I'll, I'll leave links to uh, Ashley and Remy's website in the description of the podcast. Uh, and you could certainly find them that way. Or if you want to contact me personally and to, you know, you have a different question or something like that, 
feel free to hit me up uh, at ginandtantra at gmail.com or via Instagram at ginandtantra uh, or leave a comment in the YouTube video or um, even a review on Apple Podcasts. I figure we get that out of the way now. Um, anyway, so thanks everybody for tuning in. All right, so we want to talk today about the medicine and your guys work together. You guys have worked for you know many years to build a wonderful center that you know we've been to before and we'll be coming again uh, and hope to do so for for many years and it's I you know I only know the stories that you guys tell me but it's thousands of hours of labor and it's definitely a labor of love and an outpouring of your heart you know it's a desire to kind of help people in this life via the medium that has been helpful for you and given that I wanted to start at the beginning not that we're going to go through the entire story of your life or everything else like that but the beginning of you guys uh, journey with the medicine. So at some point, you, like many of our listeners, were newbies and have never uh, never drank, never tasted the bitter brew of the Amazon. And mm -hmm. you were, something in your heart or your souls called to you and said, drink me, drink me, you know? And um, and so I wanted to to hear from, you know, a little bit from each of you guys on what it was that that called you to it and and also what it was that got you over the hump. Because I think for people who've never done it before, and even if you have, there's always a bit of apprehension. Even if you feel like this is the right thing to do, there's still some obstacles, if you will, in the way. And so I wanted to hear how you guys fared in the beginning, and you know, then we can we we can dive in more from there. Yeah. So for me, it has started like many other people in a very 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 normal way that uh, from books and some documentaries, it has just triggers my curiosity about it and. Over 12 years ago, I tried the medicine for the first time. And uh, I didn't know yet at this time that uh, something was uh, uh, in it for me. You know, it was just out of curiosity. I was using the experience of the ayahuasca as a self-discovery tool, not necessarily as a healing tool first. It was just by mere curiosity. And um, the first time, I mean, the first time I went into the, the, the second time I went to Peru, it's just really when the so 11 years ago, something has shifted, uh, like a ceremony, which I can qualify it as the very first ceremony because that was really the, the true one where the whole vision uh, that I had explained me that that was my path and I was waiting on this path. And I, so if you like, that's when I received the call for it. And so that's now, that's when my life has started to change. And uh, the, I saw a whole vision of the, the spirit of the plant they were like calling for me waiting for me and even for years and that's when everything has changed and my whole paradigm of my life in fact uh, my entire paradigm has changed you know mm. and so it was a uh, challenging because it was just not a healing process but it was a call to have a way of life a new way of life and so it was challenging in those terms you know? mm. yeah. nice ashley um so I guess my, my journey started a little over eight years ago. Um, <clears throat> and, well, I, I could take it back even further. So about 10 years ago, I finally decided that, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with my life. I couldn't quite understand why. I didn't understand um, what was going on. I just, I had everything I wanted, everything I'd worked for, the, the house, the job. I was doing very well in those things, but I had no joy in my life. I had no connection to what life that I had. And so I started this journey, um, went to Nepal, went to Tibet, went to these different places, trying to find something to bring life to me, the life connection. force, the connection. Like, yeah, exactly, the connection. And um, and finally, a friend asked me, he said, uh, I'm going to go down to Peru. 
uh, and drink ayahuasca, are you interested in coming? I thought, that's so interesting because I just, um, it, ayahuasca had come on my radar a little bit that previous six months. I've been reading about it and kind of seeing it pop up and it, it had provoked my curiosity. And so um, it kind of synchronized at the same time where I realized that I need to stop looking on the outside that it really was like, I need to start dealing with the inside, right? And mm. so I went down there for that purpose to try to connect to my life, to find my joy, to find my enthusiasm and passion again for life. And so I had a little bit more of a healing intention, curiosity for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been interested in, um, in ethnogens, right? But um, um, yeah, going down there, just trying to find something to shake the tree a little bit to, to, to help me. And um, it was my second ayahuasca ceremony. And I thought, oh my gosh, the healing potentiality of this medicine is incredible. And it was, I was there for 10 days for the first time. And after the second night, I committed to come back the next summer for two months. Cause I, I thought, okay, this is just, this is not even scratching the surface. In fact, I need to, I need to come back and, and delve really deeply into myself. Cause a lot of experience uh, here at Kumakaya and also in Peru is you're in isolation 90% mm -hmm. of the time. So you're really faced to kind of deal with yourself and, up until that point in time, I really never gave myself space mm. to face myself, to deal with myself, you know? And so I also looked at it as an opportunity to do this as well with uh, the help of um, extremely, extremely proficient healers. And if you like, in fact, we met uh, in the medicine. And so for us, it was a slow but natural evolution to be nowadays here in Mexico, creating our own proper retreat center and working with the medicine. You know? mm -hmm. I was a slightly a bit more advanced in the past. I was already dedicated to the path when we met. And uh, she was, in fact, even more enthusiastic than I when she started to commit to it. And so that became a natural evolution for us. It wasn't at all a struggle. It became part of our life very fast. Not necessarily easily, but very fast. And that is how we became uh, uh, something that we dedicate ourselves 100%. That we do here at our place. We work 10 months out of 12. We, we drink four times a week. So it's a full commitment, 100% full commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, um, I don't have it with me and it's in the other room. I can't get it. But my teacher, who's a yogi, you know, he's a Tibetan Buddhist, a Vajrayana practitioner, but He's a yoga, he's a yogi in a sense, you know, somebody who's not in society, you know, they're, they're around society, they're in it, but they're not, you know, like, like you guys, he wears whatever he wants to wear, always cotton clothing, never anything artificial. You know, he always has his rings on. He always has the malas with him. He doesn't, he looks like he's a monk because he is a monk, you know? Um, but on the introduction to some of the prayers, um, they'll have you do this reading beforehand. And it'll say in the beginning, the, you'll recognize the path and it will take a seed in your life. And eventually that seed will grow into a plant and take priority in your life. And then you will uh, fashion your life in a way that, that it has the, the primary focus of your existence and all the other things work around it. And as you guys kind of just briefly alluded to the way in which you've grown over the years into this path, it seems like that kind of is what happened, you know, for, for y'all, you know? So, Okay. So thank you guys for sharing. I guess, Ashley, the only question I had and, and, and Remy, the only question I have is like, you know, for 
was there any apprehension that you guys had before the first time? And if it's not, and if you had done other psychedelics before and you were like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll try it. Cause I love trying things, but either, either doing, either drinking the medicine or doing some other kind of psychedelic for the first time, did you have apprehension and, and how did you deal with that? Because maybe there might be people who are listening, who, who are wanting to try, you know, maybe they heard some documentaries or this podcast or actually like yourself they're just kind of like looking for different things and there's sort of a natural calling like how do you guys how did you guys deal with it for yourself and and then how would you would you say for other people who are interested you know how to deal with that kind of bridging the gap between the desire and the actuality of making it happen so for sure we would say daniel that uh, uh, having no uh, um, fears and no anticipation uh, would be absolutely abnormal abnormal or non-human you yeah, know yeah yeah and, uh, for many 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 years i was just thinking it's natural fears you know of the of the the, the person and uh, but now i have a different perspective on it i really do believe that the medicine is so intelligent with our own bodies that the bodies even without even trying it the first time knows already what's ahead and there's this like a premonition of what the medicine contain that makes you uh, having this kind of a terror. I would almost say like sacred terror, you know, a terror of like, okay, if I do that, I may have to change my life. Mm. And so uh, at first the, the, the taking the medicine is frightening because uh, it's what we call nowadays, it's really uh, uh, common to say it's a psychedelic healing. But there is a phase after that, that if we keep practicing with the medicine, it becomes an existential healing. And this existential healing, you cannot do it like just on the same day. No. It's something that's going to take over your entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's why this fear is most of the time growing into the people because there is this almost unconscious knowledge of what's ahead. Mm. If I make sense. Yeah. It's yeah. almost a spiritual instinct. Mm. And Ashley, for yourself? Um, yeah, I would say there was a very normal amount of fear. You know, um, I had had previous experience with psychedelics, you know, and so it was something I was extremely interested in. I always had um, extremely profound insights. And it was just always, always uh, an experience that added to me, right? And so um, mm -hmm. I'm really, really interested in, in going down and trying it. But um, I was also at a place, and it was a very beautiful place to be for myself, where I had nothing to lose. You know, I was 35. I had lived in my life um, through my wounds and kind of through my pain, you know, built myself through that way. And I, I knew that this wasn't, this wasn't all life had to offer. And so I was at a place where I'll try anything because I want to start really living fully. I really I want, to, I want to start experiencing a beautiful life, my life. And at least enjoying the gifts I've been given, the blessings I've been given in my life. And so um, I would say, of course I had fear. I even remember one ceremony where like, it was like the first night and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> this is, I, like, if something goes wrong, there's nobody here to save you. What am I doing? You know, that kind of an idea on a, yeah. on a physiological level. But like Remy said, I think it's, it, it is more resistance and more fear as resistance. It was where I thought you should be doing this, but you know, I, I, I kind of pushed through that and um, I really had nothing to lose. I didn't want to keep on living the way I was living, you know, mm. 
And uh, what I would like to say also to, to those who are listening to us and, 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 and listening to this podcast is that, I mean, fear is absolutely natural. But do we want to live our life out of fear? Right, right. Do we want to try to face it once and for all, as long as it takes to be able to gain a little bit of ground on this, uh, on this pressure that fear has on our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And in fact, for us, it was for Ashley and I, it was very important because the whole decision that we took, the leap of faith and decision we took to come here down here in Mexico and create our center, it was the only thing what has provided us to do it was fear. Fear of failure, fear of whatever, fear. And we decided at some point, we realized, we're like, hey, do we want to take decision out of fear? Lead fear, let fear lead our life? Or do we want to step over our own fears and try to see what's beyond it, you know? Mm. We believe that fear is just a gate, gateway for more freedom. Mm -hmm. you know how to go through the fire of fear. Yeah. And, you know, for people who don't know this, Ashley, you left a very kind of coveted teaching position that most people work their whole careers to get, correct? Yeah, yeah I had just received tenure, in fact, which I'd worked pretty hard to achieve up until that point. I received tenure in... Um, January and resigned in March. And so it was, yeah, it was, I thought, we thought we were crazy a little bit, you know, but, but. Uh, and also, know. I think it's important, you know, we have all problems. Everybody has problems, personal, existential, family, whatever. We have problems, yeah. addiction problem, blockage. I mean, uh, the solution of the problems are not in the limit of our natural ra rationality. Mm. We have to push the boundary of the natural rationality to be able to look our blind angles, to look our our weakness, our fears, to be able to find solutions. Either the, our mind as is will not provide the the, 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 the the way out, the ticket, the way out of our situ existential situation, whatever it is that we're going through right now. It's uh, by pushing those boundaries that we find some different perspective and also different understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I, you know, I, I teach this um, shamanic course that I, you know, this shamanic journey and course that I've been teaching for many years, I don't know, eight years, maybe nine years or something like that. And, you know, in the class, we use drumming. That's the kind of the, the to change the sort of perspective to push the, as you say, pushing the boundaries of rationality. And what I will say to people is that if you if there was a question that you could answer with your rational mind then you would have already answered it and so when we're looking for new perspective you have to take a different approach and that that different approach it doesn't necessarily you know we're talking about using the medicine in this or working with the medicine in in this scenario so that's the approach that we're taking but doesn't necessarily have to be that's the only one but if it but it's not residing within your current stream of awareness because if it was you would have already resolved whatever issue it was that was at hand you know so we kind of have to lean ourselves onto something else that is going to give us a different give us an opportunity you yeah. know to take a different perspective and i and for me this is the opportunity that you guys are providing and i think uniquely so actually in in the in today's world because you guys are 
from you're from where 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 everybody else is from. You guys are Western Westernized people. Yes, Remy is from France. Ashley's from Southern Illinois. Like, okay, yes, we we know that's fine. But those are Westernized places, and the most of the people who we're engaging with are Westernized people who we're trying to help and help them shift their perspective. And for me, there's a couple reasons that you know, and we'll we'll get into the specifics of your guys' place and how you guys work and stuff like that in, in just a minute. But for me, just as somebody who is knowing you guys and work with you guys and, and I take retreats and I like to bring people on retreats, you know, all various types of retreats, but specifically with you guys for the sake of this podcast um, is because there's a couple things that are important. Take like, Asha, you mentioned this, right? Um, a desire to give yourself space, right? Which is something that you mentioned for yourself. You wanted to go for a longer period, which you guys offer and we'll talk about that. But even if it is just for the week or 10 days that most people come to see you guys for, it's not a vac- it's not a quote unquote vacation. Right? It, it, it is not. It's work. You know, it's not labor work. You're not going to be building fences or something like this, but it's psycho-emotional, energetic work in order to get through this kind of darkness of the tunnel that people might feel like that they're in or that they're just curious about looking into. Right. So number one, so giving yourself space and then. I think Remy, what you said uh, similarly was also very pertinent is that like you're overcoming this kind of sacred terror is the words that you used, but it's not necessarily the sacred terror of like, oh my God, what is this going to do to me? What's going to happen? It's the terror around our habituated minds resistance to changing and like major changing. It doesn't necessarily mean leaving your job or divorcing your partner or selling your children. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> renting or wait, you can't do that either. Uh, you know, whatever, but you're not, you're not leaving your life wholesale, but it might mean the letting go of a long, a 20 year addiction, yeah. which could be to cigarettes or marijuana, or I don't know, masturbation. I don't, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, it, that, but those things have residence inside of us. And, and I say residence with the CE and residence with the TS because they live with us as those those patterns live with us almost as entities, if you will, right? And so they have their own energies and processes that are always needing to be fed. And when we change the relationship with them, we're changing ourselves, you know? And I think there is a, um, there is a resistance to do that, even if there is a desire to do so in initially you know and so yeah, exactly, the, the, exactly that daniel you know because i would emphasize in this way that the, the, we all have our, our, have our stories we tell ourselves yeah we track with ourselves i call them mental tracks mental tracks that we are all uh, the, the cds on skip mental tracks like that mm-hmm. People going on the same and that's what essentially block from the content around us you know it's And um, and so when we block ourselves by those mental tracks, you know, that's a, that's when we our life gets done. Mm. Our life gets done. And the na- nature, I mean, the finest achievement of the intelligence of nature, you can find it in the experience of ayahuasca, mm. because it's an emotional intelligence, intellectual intelligence, it's an energetical intelligence. It can be sometimes in some special cases a spiritual intelligence that is here waiting for us, who, uh, who take us out of those mental tracks, stories we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. and to show us life in a broader perspective. 
And that's what's interesting about these ethnogens is their consciousness is expanding. So they broaden our understanding. They broaden our awareness. They make us think differently. They make us see the world differently. They make us see ourselves differently. That's experience ourselves. Experience ourselves differently. And that's why the, the, these medicines are such um, assets to our healing is they help us be differently, think differently. Mm. I think really are the key of the a greater self-discovery. Mm. You can do therapies, you can do uh, any type of, of, uh, of uh, therapies or practices, but those uh, with medicine and the ayahuasca, the way it works, it's the best self-discovery tool I've ever found in my life. And I look around it a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so let me, so let's, we'll kind of shift gears here. All right, so we've, We've kind of established, you know, how you guys kind of got started in terms of your own journey and where it's led you, you know, here. And let, let's discuss like, all right, so someone who's listening to this podcast, maybe they've never been to your place before, or they've never done the medicine before, or maybe maybe both. Maybe they've never been on retreat, right? And have never done any kind of psychedelic anything or whatever. How can we, you know, how can you guys describe to them um, like what they would be, you know, maybe not what they would be working on, but, you know, what are some of the things that you guys provide down there? What does a stay look like with you guys? And, you know, why would someone choose to come uh, other than the obvious multiple podcasts that Remy and I have done previously? And, you know, my, uh, let's say, glowing recommendation, but, you know, from the, from the horse's mouth, and you guys will be the horses in this case. <laughs> well, if I may start, yeah. first thing first, um, which is very important to know, is that when you come to us at Kumankaya, uh, we are in the middle of the jungles, of the jungle here, the Yucatan rain tropical forest. And so it's very important because the experience take a different uh, perspective in this, in this context. You know, the container, it's a fully immersion in nature. And nature heals by itself. And so when you come here, you will be fully surrounded by the nature. And we, we provide a very safe and caring container in which the person is going to be administrated the ayahuasca four times a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday night. That's our reason. And also, if, the, if someone comes to us and stay for a minimum of 10, 10 days, uh, we also provide a, a master plan diet. So just to give a little explanation about that is that ayahuasca would be like the general doctor, the MD, the family MD, the family doctor that everybody has. But sometimes this doctor needs to send us to a specialist to be able to, to perform a more, a more precise work, a specialty. And so that's why when the person arrives here, the first ceremony in general is some kind of diagnose of what the person needs according to their intention, according to the private meeting we had with the person. And we provide after that uh, um, uh, an healing, additive healing than just the ayahuasca with some master plant that is going to help the person achieve their, their goal during, during the stay. And um, also here, it's a retreat center. As a retreat center, it's very calm. It's a meditative space. It's really, uh, we have no city sound. We have a beautiful, uh, non-polluted sky night. Uh, full of stars at night and so uh, that, that's also 
very important to understand that a retreat of ayahuasca here, as we provided, is also a form of um, uh, self uh, coming back, coming back to yourself, you know, and take time to just put things aside and just take care of yourself and think about life, you know. It's a mm. meditation. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just kind of add some more uh, concrete details, I guess, to the process. Normally, whenever we begin the booking process, um, uh, two weeks to a month in advance of a person to stay, I will forward a diet preparation. And this basically asks the guests to begin their process, which is start kind of um, honing down their, their intention and then also start um, simplifying their dieting, start cleaning the food that they make. But what we're asking them as well is to think to start to act conscientiously, start to make choices, not to just react and in preparation for the stay. So if people adhere to the diet guidelines and adhere to the process that we advise, in fact, their, their um, experience, their healing is much broader than just a stay at Kamakaya, right? And it's mm -hmm. tough before. Yeah. yeah. And it's also putting responsibility on the person because when they leave Kumunkaya, the, the sole responsibility is on the person. They have to actually make their healing at Kumunkaya make a difference, right? It's going to be on them. And so this initiates kind of that expectation. And um, then we guide them through why they're here. And then that also encourages that expectation when they leave here as well. And so upon arrival, um, it's we're a little bit different in the way that, as my as Remy had said, that um, like it's a not a retreat center that you're entertained. There's not a whole lot of activities because the entire the entire retreat center is catered towards the ayahuasca at night. We're drinking the ayahuasca at night, so we'll do some yoga and do some meditation. There sharing might be circle. sharing circles. There might be an activity. For instance, our guests today are going to a local cenote to go swimming, and so there might be some like um, little random activities. But for the most part, during the week. It's everybody's resting, they're meditating, they're journaling. Um, either they're talking to us, our facilitators, and trying to process the ceremonies the night before and get the most out of the experience. And You can also expect to have like private meetings with us. We are absolutely committed to the people here. And when they need some private meeting for some reason, we offer that, so it's no problem. And so basically coming to visit, visiting us from the airport, you've been taking care up to our center where you stay the whole time doing your ayahuasca experience, your healing experience, your self-discovery experience, mm -hmm. and after brought back to the airport. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes some people take some few days in Tulum or Bacala around here mm -hmm. just to have some kind of integration. And to answer your other question, Daniel, what makes this really unique, I think, is that um, most retreat centers, you're, you're brought into a center, which is kind of structured as a little uh, technical difficulties as Remy and Ashley are literally in the middle of a jungle. So uh, Ashley, please uh, please resume uh, where you were before. Yeah. So um, when you're taken to a retreat center, usually it's structured as a the village concept, like you're brought into a village. But Kumankaya is differently. We try to do this a little bit differently where you're coming into our home. Um, my husband and I literally live, live sleep upstairs to the, the main center of the house or the main the main part of the house, the, the center. And um, so that way we're around all the time. You see us coming upstairs, downstairs, you're, you're passing, we have lunch or dinner with you sometimes. It's not, there's not this huge distance between the guest and the healer, the guest and the patient. 
Um, we're raw for conversation. We're telling jokes. Um, and that's one of the things that I think people really value about coming here and also that you're, you, you're, you're brought into a community. When you come here, you're created, you're creating a community with us. So when you do leave, or I check in on the people, how are you doing? They can always reach out to us if they have any issues. Integration's not going so well. They have any questions about integration. And so um, it's not, you come here and you leave and you never see people again. It's 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 an ongoing relationship that your time at Kumukaya, you're cultivating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would also add one, one thing, Daniel, is that, so you might think, uh, do I need ayahuasca? Sure. Or just out of curiosity. So I would say if you feel your life is stuck, blocked, if you feel depressed, if you have a lack of energy, if you feel that your social connections are uh, not working well, if you are stuck in your relation, uh, romantic relationship, if you are stuck in general in your life and feeling blocked, emotionally, mentally blocked, yes, you need ayahuasca. You need to allow yourself to open your to open up to this uh, natural healing that the ayahuasca provides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe just briefly, like, I think it's important for people to know that, like, you guys built your place. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you had help with professional, you know, mason masonry people and electricians and, you know, people should understand professionals did the hard, you know, they, they did the work, but like, you guys built the roads and you guys designed, you know, designed the, the layout of your home and of the, you know, the Maloka, the sort of, you know, healing yurt, if you will, you know what I'm saying? And all the things like, just talk a little bit about maybe like the, the energy and intentionality that goes in, that went into your place that you guys, you know, bought virgin forest and it was, there was nothing there. I mean, not nothing, of course, there's nature and life and trees and, you know, fungus and, and everything that's there, but there wasn't, uh, this wasn't there. You guys put this there. I just, you know, maybe just for a minute or two, tell me a little bit about, or tell the, the audience a little bit about that process. Cause I find it to be, um, not just fascinating, but kind of inspiring, you know, that like you talked about, like overcoming the sacred terror and like taking on, this path is one that is that is has priority in your life and and in doing so you had to create the space to do that to give the opportunity for other people to create space in their life you had to create space in in your life physically by you know what what fill in the blanks for me because i don't know all that i know many details but you know you guys did the work not me um well first of all i want to say that that was the scariest thing that we've ever i've ever done in my life because when we came here, you know, talk about you, you're at the basics. You have no building, you have no running water, you no know, electricity. And at that point, I was still terrified of insects of nature. You know, you still have that, that weird relationship with nature. And not only that, but that was on the very concrete level, right? That was on the very material level. But on the uh, deeper levels, you know, we just stripped away my titles, stripped away my purpose in life, stripped away like everything that up until that point had given me meaning. Yes. my identity who I was and so it was extremely terrifying um year really um I think for me but I was for him but at least for me and it was interesting too because it was like where for one of the first times in my life or our life where we were forced to walk the talk you know we wanted to devote ourselves to the medicine we wanted to devote ourselves to um 
know, trying to trying to be our, our best selves, our highest selves. We wanted to devote ourselves to a spiritual path. And this is the first time, you know, boots on the ground where reality really hit us in the face of what that's going to look like. And that was, um, that was really interesting. Um, and so I guess, you know, we built this, we built this center as we rebuilt ourselves. And I think you see that, you see that in the, the little nuances and the details. You see that in the intentional design of the architecture, which my husband designed every building on campus here. Everything is extremely intentionalized to, to kind of capture all aspects of who we are and who we wanted to be and the type of life we wanted to live. And also uh, to inspire us in doing so, as Ashley said, is that we've been to Peru many times to many different centers in, in, in Peru. And we wanted to offer the people the experience of ayahuasca with um, enough comfort, if you want. I don't speak comfort like the, the, in a bad way, but enough safety so people can really relax into the experience and the whole process. Because basically when you come here, it's almost like a, 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 an entire ceremony from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave. That's the goal, creating a space that gives you the feeling of entering into a ceremonial space as you and you will leave the ceremonial space when you leave here. Of course, you have the actual ceremonies throughout the week, but it's a, a, a spiritual space that uh, the building and the atmosphere and the decoration and the, the beauty around has created to give you this safe container space of ceremonial uh, attitude, if you want. And so doing so, we, because of uh, our Peruvian experience, we created little bungalows around uh, and on those little hills. It's, like, it's almost like a little flying village around like that. And, uh, it's in a circle. It's like even a in, in a circle like that around the Maloka. And um, each bungalows, most of them were different modalities, but different bungalows has its own bathroom, is on toilet. So there's uh, enough safety and enough uh, comfort to be really... Uh, not to have sometimes when you go to Peru, you have some kind of cultural shock. You go to yeah. indigenous people, which is sometimes necessary. It's yeah. absolutely necessary, but it's also important. Maybe the way we propose here, it's uh, so basically the, the facilities, and now we have internet and everything. So basically, between the states or other countries, Europe and here, well, you find approximately the same type of, of living. The only difference is that is fully uh, immersed into the deep jungle of the Yucatan, you know. But mm. uh, we, we wanted that, we designed that uh, on a purpose. Mm. Okay. Providing no. safety for people. And I, and I could say that that's how it feels. You know, that's why I, I wanted to talk to that. I wanted you guys to talk about that, you know, in a roundabout way, because that, I think it's an important piece. You know, people are doing something maybe they've never done before or never done in this way. And it's it's important to know, I think, for people that like, the experience is authentic, but the location and container that you guys created is authentic as well. Authentic to you, you know, authentic to the way that you want to have people feel when they come to your space and authentic, at least from my part, authentic in like, that it feels not just real, but like tangible because you're not leaving, you're leaving your life, but you're not leaving it in some place that is so different that you could never, you could, you can't say, oh, I'll never be able to get back to that again because that, 
place is so magical. And yes, it is it is magical, but it's also looks it looks like a retreat center that you might do yoga at somewhere or that you might, you know, go to a restaurant. They might have some beach vibes or something like that. Like it's it's still within the realm of possibility that that place that you were at physically and emotionally while they where you were there can go with you back home. And I think sometimes, at least from my experience, people will say like, oh, you know, when I was visiting this place, oh, that, that place is so magical. I could, that's the only place I could feel that, you yeah. know? And to me, that's, that's a defeatist view of things because then that means that the limitations, the external mediators that you put on your own healing and self-development are so great that you'll never be able to get there again unless all of these requirements are met. And this is just adding length to the stick in front on, on, at the carrot with the carrot at the end of it. You know, it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And therefore, it's almost like, well, what's the purpose? If I can't do it there, then then kind of what's the purpose? So um, that's very important what you said, Daniel, because it's also well the reason why we wanted to provide provide this uh, this container that we have here with those bengalos and those carrying. Uh, uh, attitude that we have with the people it's also because the, of the integration mm. if you come to a place you do your experience and go back home and there is such a, a gap in between it's almost it never like it's almost like it never happened yes or it, as you mentioned it's exactly what you said and so here we provide enough uh, enough modernism if you like i mean yeah. just to be safe enough and 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 to be feeling comfortable enough so you don't of the shock, cultural shock that yeah. will be complicated when you're back home. Yes. And so, because as we always say, is a, there is the work that we do here, but integration is the other half of the work when yeah. you're back home. Yeah. And we, we talked about this uh, in the last podcast in pretty, pretty good detail, mm -hmm. um, the integration part. So for people who are, you know, more interested in, in, in hearing that conversation, if you haven't listened to the uh the second, the, the previous episode that we did with Remy, I think it's called like preparing the soil or tilling the soil or something like that. It says Kumankaya part two. Anytime you guys come on, I'm going to put Kumankaya and then part. So this will be Kumankaya part three, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is that I will, uh, that I will title it. Um, I do have one thing I want to talk about for a few minutes, but we'll do that as kind of like the capper. Um, before we do that, is there anything else that I want to give it, give you guys a minute to just say you know, other things to potential people who might be listening or people who've, you know, know you guys or know us or, you know, whatever, you know, just your, the perspective audience of, you know, participants for you guys. Is there, you know, is there something that we, that we talked about that I didn't cover or that we didn't get to, or that you guys want to mention now is a good time to just kind of have mm -hmm. a hodgepodge, if you will, a smorgasbord. I think we, we cover pretty much everything, you know, we are, the Kumankaya is a eating retreat center that works. We work with the ayahuasca, you know, and, and master plants diet on the side. And uh, we're fully, fully dedicated to this healing and service to the people. You know. mm. That's what, what our life is about. And uh, uh, as crazy as it sounds, we enjoy doing it. Ashley, you feel you feel good the the the, yeah. the administra administration Ashley. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> the admin. Okay, okay, cool. All right. So there's one thing that came up here that I would love to to talk about for the next however long, and then we can kind of wrap it up. Um, so Ashley, you and and it, it's funny because it comes. You you mentioned it not in ceremony, but I'm going to mention it as a as a part of ceremony also. 
So you had mentioned that when you guys went down to to Mexico and you were building the center, you know, transforming the forest and building it up and things like this, that you had to both get rid of your identity, right? You had to shed your labels because even during that process, yes, you're healers or yes, you are a citizen of this and a wife of this and a son of this and a daughter of this. But actually for months or year and a half or however long it took, you were day laborers, you know, just not just, but building a center. You were workers, worker bees, you know, then no one cares about your education. Nobody cares about the the knowledge that you carry with you, how many books you've read. The job to do today is to cut down these next dozen trees and move these rocks out of the way and do that, you know, do that stuff. And I think for me, I just wanted to have a little bit of a dialogue around this idea of like the identity and how, you know, you guys view working with the medicine as a challenge to that, you know, and an opportunity to, to work with the core of who we are, which is our identity, right? Because we tell, there's a book uh, in Carlos Castaneda. We have many books written by Carlos Castaneda, you know, him and his teacher, Don Juan. But Don Juan says to Carlos Castaneda very regularly, you are the way you tell yourself you are. And so I think for, you know, all of us, we all have different, you know, some people are whatever, truck drivers or nannies or I, I don't know, acupuncturists who listen to us, massage therapists. I don't know what people do. You know what I'm saying? But like we have our identities. We're of Asian descent. We're of, you know, Belgian descent. We're of Nigerian descent, wherever we're from. But these are all of these are pieces of, of who we are, you know, or who we believe ourselves to be. And, you know, I have had the, um, we'll say awe inspiring uh, experiences of having much of that dissolve away only to leave i'm not sure what um but i wanted to hear you guys talk about this because i've I, this is a topic i find personally fascinating and um usually if i find it interesting at least one other person will so you know <laughs> you know for me it's like um i guess it's like i was very good at fulfilling roles i was very good at being a teacher you know i knew i knew very clearly you know think about administratively i knew very clearly the rules I knew very clearly the expectations, so I fulfilled that role. I uh, fulfilled the role very well of being a sister and a, a, an aunt and a daughter. I understood the expectations. Um, I fulfilled those roles. But when it came to the jungle, you take all those away and you realize that you are just good at fulfilling roles. You don't really, like for me, I didn't really know who I was. And one of the first things that Remy had said to me was, okay, now you can be anything. What do you want to do? And it was the most terrifying question because I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I realized like up until that point, my identity was more of a composite of roles than it was of anything authentic, any, an authentic core, an authentic sense of self and, and anything, the true essence of who I was. And so mm -hmm. um, that was, I would say, and I kind of downplayed it earlier, like it was a good two years of um because she didn't even speak the language i didn't even speak the language and so I, I, the only person i could communicate with was my husband you know and so i didn't even i wasn't able to talk to had to friends you know everything was removed and and that was one one of the interesting aspects and luckily you know being in the jungle there's such a heavy archetype right of being in the jungle anyways and um mm. 
you know, being in the jungle as well, like this is the first time in my life I had ever been given, I'll go back to it again, space. Mm -hmm. Space to like really, you know, not be at service to somebody, do something, you know, to figure out a new role I could play or create a new role for myself to play, but to just have the space to like really look at myself and see that when I really look at myself, I don't really like very much who I am. I don't like this girl. I'm sure I was a very efficient, very proficient professor. I was a very talented this or that. I was a very loving daughter. But when I look down at my, my truest self, there's not much substance. There's not, there's not, there's a, a young, there's a little girl that wants a lot of attention and will throw a huge tipper tantrum when she doesn't get one. Well, okay, mm. let's start looking at this, you know, and that came about through time and space and isolation and being pulled out of my comfort zone. You know, being forced to carry blocks for a mile and a half, being forced to do this hard labor, being forced to be under duress, mental duress, emotional duress, physical duress, being forced to those kind of extremes to really start seeing these um, uh, unexplored yet interesting elements of who I was, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. And no, that's great. That's that's great. And if uh, people are interested in that kind of a challenge, that could have happened in one night too. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you weren't even drinking ayahuasca at that point. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know. That can happen in two hours. <laughs> so we could right. Um, yeah. No, that's that's great. Actually, thank you for thank you for sharing. And I and I love the fact that you spoke from that as as a woman. You know, because I, I, I know that there are women who listen to this podcast, roughly 54% of our audience, technically, um, who identify as that anyways, you know, who, you know, have their own experience with that. And, and I wanted to, I wanted to hear from you as, you know, for a while, but coming on here as saying that, like, you know, and I don't want to say this, but like most of the people who come on retreat with us down to your guys' place and who do the work with this medicine, you know, are women. Mm -hmm. and it's from my experience you know from from the the stuff that i've led and so like there's an amount like you know we talk about like overcoming these fears and working through this various layers and and um blockages and so forth but like the, i think the idea of like you know bravery or willing to stand up and or or stand up in yourself or for yourself or being curious to find out you know who it is that i am or why do i feel this way uh isn't like the typical kind of Mm, archetypal like brave warrior with the spear and the you know and the sword it's the you know it's the kind of like yogi who lets themselves be seen you know and and looks for themselves inside and oh i would say also the work of a mother you know yeah to give herself fully to what's going to be born from her mm. but with no expectation you mm -hmm. know just okay I'm just at the service of someone else. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. No. No. I. Yeah. Fully. Like letting yourself be fully, letting it go fully through you. You know. Yeah. Being yeah. completely part of it. Is you mentioned kind of speaking to women, so if I may add a little caveat. Sure. You know, women, especially, are so ingrained to be at the service of others, mm -hmm. to self-sacrifice, act selflessly. You know, for your children and give everything. Give yourself to your children and to your husband and to these different different aspects of, of society. But I think that honestly, the, the greatest act of service is self-love and healing for, for a woman. Because if, 
if the, the, the personal tank, the spiritual tank, the, the self-love tank isn't full, there's nothing to give. There's no, you know, and that's how resentment is built in. That's how yes. you know, disappointment, depression. Dep yeah, uh, depression, failure comes in is because we women give too much from an empty source. Mm. And I, I remember thinking when I, I left my family, because I used to live very close proximity to my family, left my job, how I was being selfish. I was being selfish to, to decide to live my life on my own terms. It was mm. act being selfish. And only through my own healing did I realize that was the single greatest act of self-love I've ever done in my life. Mm. Deciding to live my life uh, on my own terms. And, and, and it's not just, just for me because I'm at the service of others, but to, to live it, um, to heal myself, to demand the space and the time to be my best self was the greatest act of self-love I've ever, ever given myself. That's a wonderful way of putting it. I know my teacher, Andre, will say the greatest gift you can give to this world is to create an enlightened being or to awaken an enlightened being, i.e. yourself, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think... Also in this way, Daniel, if I may just add yeah. that. Also in this way, that's also something that um, many people have told us. We never really realized, you know, when you practice something, we're both uh, practitioners in the, in, the, in the ayahuasca field, but uh, is that we are... Uh, she, as a woman practitioner and as a man practitioner, will really provide the full service here. If yeah. I would say, in Peru, most it can be sometimes uh, very masculine or very feminine, but to have both at the same time is not that uh, uh, common, in fact. Mm -hmm. And so we are happy to be able to tell people, come here, you will have the feminine uh, healing uh, in in the ayahuasca ceremony. You will have the masculine healing in the ayahuasca ceremony. So we are very happy to be able to propose that as a couple. You know? mm -hmm. No, I That's agree. something that helps a lot of people. You know? Yes, no, we, it's definitely something that people are, are appreciative of, I think, you know, there, there's no doubt. Um, no, that's great, guys. I definitely, that was, that was, uh, that was good. That's, that's what I was looking for. That's, exactly. you know, this was, this was uh, perfect. Thank you guys for, for coming on and for sharing, you know, um, there's a lot, you know, there's, there's more obviously that we could discuss in terms of like more specifics and, you know, the, the medicine work and the changes you guys have seen with people and whatnot, but maybe we'll save that for, um, you know, a later Part conversation, <laughs> you know, um, but, but you know, Daniel, that's always a pleasure. Yeah. And and I hope that everybody will get something out of it. You know, oh, they will. They will for sure. No, there's there's some really good stuff in here. I know, you know, you guys may not see it at the moment, but when you go back and listen to it, there's going to be there's there's a bunch of a bunch of uh, really good moments in here that I think are can really kind of help a, a, a lot of people who are interested or curious about you guys or just like just self discovery in general, you know, to be able to like fully give yourself into something um, and in, in the process of doing that, allowing yourself to be sort of reborn you know, in that way. And the only other thing I wanted to add, Ashley, actually, before we go, so I don't, so I don't forget, is you were talking about like, being self-sacrificing that women tend to self-sacrifice. And I agree with this completely as having more women clients than not over the years. Um, but I, I think it's also, if we could stretch it just a little bit, it's also there is a personality type of people who are willing to self-sacrifice in general. And that, that to me transcends gender. And these people don't have uh, the ability to kind of take that to, to prioritize their own healing, 
right? Yeah. Whether that be male, female. And I think that by taking the leap and and doing the work with you guys or going to a retreat center, you know, anywhere in general, but particularly with you guys, again, because I work with you and that's what we're talking about. It it gives you a chance to not just to reset, like, oh, I'm going to hit this reset button and I'm going to be refreshed and I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. No, that is not the purpose of this podcast. That is not the purpose of this conversation. That is not the purpose of my work in this life. And I don't think it is the purpose of your guys' work either, but it's to take the opportunity to reflect upon the pieces of our character that are living within us unconsciously, you know, mm-hmm. that are fueling our actions and reactions that are not yielding the greatest potential in our life that we believe that we deserve, you know? And so by taking the time out and questioning these things and doing the self-discovery and diving into the mirror, if you will, like in the matrix, you know, mm-hmm. that um, you give yourself the opportunity to awaken some of these latent parts of yourself and then, and then say, okay, is this what I want? And if the answer is no, then to change it and to to deal with the fear of change. And that that goes for lots of women, actually. And I also think lots of, you know, people, men or wherever you are in the gender spectrum who live a life of fulfilling expectations, not of their own, that they should. I should take this promotion. I should take this job. Why wouldn't I say yes to this thing? But in their heart of hearts, that is that doesn't resonate with them. That's just what they think they should be doing. And for me, this this opportunity for people is one that is not a of a, a great length of time. You know, we're not saying go there for a year and you'll be different. No, it's go for a week, two weeks, 10 days, you know, do a master plan diet, whatever. You get that opportunity because of the, the depth and intensity of the work and of the container that you guys hold and of your desire to help foster people through that through the, the, the treacherous kind of crossroads of making different choice, the opportunity that is there for people, I think is great. And I hope that this conversation uh, fuels people's curiosity, if not their uh, call to action, if you will, call to action. I really, I really do believe in that so you, you nailed it, Daniel. You know, it's to coming here is to push the pause button in our life and to be able to look at our life and see what type of human being we are. Mm-hmm. type of human, human being we want to be. And mm. so by pushing this um, pause button, you know, to stop for a minute our, our lifestyle and those roles we're pulled in, you know, we're really able to sit on the side of the river of our life and look of, at his uh, true orientation. Because mm-hmm. when we are in the, in the current of the river, in a modern life like that, we don't really see where, we, where our life is leading us. Yeah. And life doesn't do make the best choice when we don't do ourselves our choices, you know? And so we have some time to push the button of the pose, sit on the side of the river, look at the orientation and see if it's a good one or if we have to reorient a little bit. Who we want to be, what type of man, what type of woman I want to be for the rest of my life, you know? I was wondering when we would talk about the, the directions in the shamanic space and and here it is that we ended with them so <laughs> you know <laughs> talk about direction in your life which is which is perfect this is i think that's that's wonderful um any before before i bid our dues here guys is there anything that you guys want to say in in parting or no i want to say one thing we have yes. two of battery <laughs> say again 
we have two percent of battery oh yeah no we're ending right now so it's it's perfect so thank you guys for coming on again as always you know i love having thank you, you guys here. For having us. thank you everybody for listening we're really enjoying it yeah for sure and um yeah you guys are you guys are family to me i i, I love you guys so much thanks for making the time uh for for our audience uh, i will leave a link to do their website that you can get a hold of them if you have any questions obviously for us uh gin and tantra at gmail.com leave a like link uh or like or comment or subscription in the youtube uh video leave a like on the apple podcast uh if, again if you want to get a hold of me or get a hold of them i'll make that information available for eric ashley and remy this is daniel we'll catch you in the next one peace to get together.